yourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning. Let's go. Come on. You deserve a round of applause for getting out of bed. You celebrate getting out of bed every day. Because let's be honest, we would. But you guys celebrated every day for getting out of bed. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible privilege to be here this morning. I want to clear one thing up. Um, and I felt so bad because I'm watching the announcement tonight. I posted the announcement in the, in the, in the back. And I, I said no for something pretty loudly. I hope you didn't hear it. But I'm, I'm confessing to you that that's what I said. Because we're not, we're not going to charge $10 per car. Sarah in Texas, where we found the car announcement, there was some miscommunication sometimes along the way. I'm actually going to talk about this in a minute. Um, so we're talking about strings, and we're talking about who we tell our dreams to and who we, we give information to along the way. And so um, we've had a lot of ideas in, in, in the course of starting a church and uh, in the course of start having trunk, having events. There's a lot of ideas that come along with them. One idea was we can charge $10 and use the money for, um, for something that we're going to be doing in November and, um, and then give a prize to the best, uh, best decorated car. Um, we've decided, I don't, I just don't like it. So we're, we're not going to charge $10. I don't ever like to charge anything. So uh, we're not going to charge $10, but we're still going to give a prize to the best car. Come on. And we want people to, um, to, to decorate their cars and to, like, come up with the best ideas. Opportunity to come and be a part of something that's safe and fun and for the whole family. Um, so we just, even though we say it's a spectacular event, uh, we don't want any dwarf, uh, gruesome, gory uh, trunks. We want it to be family friendly and fun, and it's going to be so much fun on October 31st. You're welcome to drop off your candy um, in the bucket on, the, on your way out. And um, I just I feel really dumb because I just said no, and I was like, oh. Today we are in our Dream Again Part 3, the finale of the Dream Again. I hope that uh, along the way in the last two weeks, you have um, either had, had a dream given to you, or you've revived a dream of the past, or maybe you've come up with a new dream, or you're just a that you're going to have the courage to take it um, along the way. That's kind of the, been the goal of this, this whole series. And I'm, I'm really excited about it today. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of the process. The subject of the process of a dream. And the title for it is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. This past week, I got really mad. And, and to be honest, I, um, I struggle. I struggle with this message, don't give up. Because in California this past week, a young pastor chose to give up. Because it got too hard. And um, I got mad. I got, I got sad for his, his life again. 
most of all, I was mad because Satan, I feel like, mental illness is real. It's real. And it's, it's, Satan gets a lot of credit for things, and I, I try not to give him enough credit, a bunch of credit. But mental illness is one thing that Satan uses to steal from people. And I feel like this week he stole someone that had a wife and kids. He stole someone that had a, was a part of a, of a, of a good-sized church, big church. Um, he stole a, a children from, from God's army. And it, it, it hurt me. Um, pastors are human. struggle. There are days that we show up and we're smiling on the outside, but we desperately want to quit on the inside. We're just like you. And I pray that I never elevate myself to seem like I always have it all together. Um, so I was mad this week. And, and, and today I, I want to come and I want to dedicate this message to people that are smiling on the outside but feel like quitting on the inside. We don't know who you are because you're smiling on the outside. But, but just know that there is a process and sometimes we want to quit the process. And that's okay to want to quit the process. Just keep going. And hopefully today... purpose of the process. That's, that's kind of the goal this morning. Our, our big idea number one today, I've got two big ideas, but the big idea number one is don't quit. It's simple. Don't quit. Um, we've looked at two verses uh, for this, this series, and, and the first one is found in Proverbs chapter 29. We're going to read both of those this morning, uh, just because we've always we've, we've read them throughout the whole series. If you've missed any of this series and you're like, that was, that was pretty good. You know, you can go back and listen to the other two messages. They're available online uh, at refugemain.church forward slash messages along with all of our, our uh, messages in the past. Also, in the YouVersion Bible app, if you don't have a Bible this morning, um, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and, um, and follow along with all of today's notes. Just go into the events portion, follow the directions on the screen behind me, and uh, you can follow along with Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the message translation says this. If people can't see what God is doing, we've we've talked about this. Like, we live our lives as if, like, God isn't there. Our, our, Our culture, our people, we often live life like God is not there. We, we often, and, and not only that, but how many of you ever feel like you don't know what's, God, do you really have a clue what's going on? Like, don't you know? Like, this is hard. It's like, I know it's hard. We're going to talk about that again. If people don't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When you pay attention to what God is saying is when you are the happiest. That word happy, that word blessed 
simply means happy. So, so he, God wants us to be happy, but we have to pay attention to what he's saying to us. We have to pay attention to what he's revealing to us. And so what we have said is that we are happy when God reveals dreams to us and we have the courage to actually pay attention to them. That means we actually have the courage to go after them, to listen, to obey. And so Acts chapter 2 verse 17 is the second verse that we looked at and it says this. It says, in the last days, and I believe that we're headed there, ladies and gentlemen, we are close. Come, Lord Jesus, quickly. Like, he is coming soon. It, it, he is coming soon. And, and, and so we are approaching the last days. And that's not, that's not something to be worried about. And I told you last week, if you're worried about living in the last days, please, let's talk. Like, I would love to talk to you. Because, because the last days aren't supposed to scare us. I believe we're supposed to be excited for them, and we're supposed to beg Jesus to come quickly. One of the things that God has been convicting me about during this whole series has been that I don't pray for Jesus to come back enough. I don't. And so I've, I've started to pray, God, please send Jesus back quickly. So this is what it says in Acts 2.17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Prophecy, vision, and dreams all have one thing in common, and that is that they are all pictures of things that have not happened yet. A prophecy is something that someone sees from God. It's, it's a picture of something that hasn't happened, a vision, something that hasn't happened, a dream, something that hasn't happened. And so... In the last days, it says, it says, I will pour out my spirit on people, and people will see visions, dream dreams, and, um, and have prophecies. So, the question is, how do we know that a dream, a vision, or a prophecy is from God? Maybe it's just some bad pizza that we had the, 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 the night before. Like, like, how do we know what it is? is from God and not just bad food. Um, I want to give you just quick four questions that you can ask yourself in determining if if a dream is from God or not. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you think God wants you to do something. And you think that you have a, a dream that, that, that God wants you to do. Let me give you four quick, quick questions that are um, can be litmus tests Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with God's word? I hope if you're writing these down, uh, because I hope that someday God gives you a, a dream or a vision that you can go back to these four questions and you can you can look at. Does it line up with God's word? Ladies and gentlemen, God will never tell someone to do something that goes against his word. Period. It's it's always in line. This book regulates us. This book makes us see, makes it all make sense. And when we live it, it comes alive. And it is powerful. God will never give you a dream that goes against his word. The second question you have to ask yourself is, will it make me more like Jesus? Will it make me more like Jesus? Jesus was a person just like you and I. He was God in the flesh. 
so he was God, but he was also man. And because he was man, Jesus had had two things that he was living out, his purpose and his personality. Jesus had both, purpose and personality. So, so his purpose was what he did. It was how he lived. Your dream will always fall in line with the purpose of Jesus in the kingdom of God. With the same purpose. And Jesus tells us what his, what his, um, what his purpose was throughout all of Scripture. He says, I have to be about my Father's business. I have to be doing what God is telling me to do. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. And so this last week, when, when I got so upset about, about, um, about Jared Wilson, I, I texted a, a, a good friend of mine, Luke Walters, who's, who's spoken here, and I told him I was, I was struggling with this. Because, ladies and gentlemen, when you have something that you're struggling with, you need to have people that you can go to that will put you in line. So I called Luke. I texted Luke, and I said, I'm, I'm really struggling. And he said, Pastor, Satan is using things like this because, because the church's response to the suicide of, of a pastor has been just stupid. It's just stupid. Not, not the church that he's a part of, but the big C church Christians are, are coming around and, and they're, they're saying, social media is just dumb. So they're saying things on social media and that's what really I was struggling with. And so I went to Luke and and he said, just stay focused on the lost. And I was like, that's it. Just stay focused on the purpose that Jesus had and everything will make sense. And so, so, I'm, so now I'm like, all right, now we got we to gotta get to work. And we got to do our best to live out the vision and the purpose that Jesus had get in line, line ourselves with Jesus' purpose, and everything's going to be fine. So, Jesus had both purpose and he had personality, and his personality is who he was. It was his character. So, God will not give you a vision or a dream or a prophecy to live out that goes against what Jesus did and who Jesus was. And that is why we have to spend time with Jesus every single day. We have to, to, to read the word. We have to sing his praises. And we have to pray to his name. Because he is able to speak to us. He is able to reveal himself to us. And when we get to know Jesus, we will decide. We will be able to, to tell if our dreams are in line with who he was. The, the third question that you have to ask yourself is, do, the, do those in spiritual authority agree? Do those in spiritual authority agree? Ladies and gentlemen, our, our world has a hard time with that word authority these days. We don't like to submit to authority these days. And so, do those in spiritual authority agree with my dream? For, for the, the kids in the room, for the students in the room, this involves your parents. As a, 
And, and, and in fact, I would even go as far as to say that even even the adults of the church are still a part of the spiritual authority. Like, it, and, and I realize that not all of us have parents that are believers, but but we are to honor them, honor your father and mother. It's a part of the Ten Commandments. So at least talk to them about it. They may not understand it, but but know where they are, they're at. Your parents are a part of like my kids. I have the privilege. Of being their spiritual authority, and and so there will be things, there will be times that my kids come to me and they ask me what they should do, and there will be times that I will tell them no. I will, I will tell my kids they will go to a Christian college. I'll, like like that's that's something I've already decided. They are at an age where I am molding them and shaping them, and God has given me the ability to speak into their lives, and He's given me not the ability but the responsibility. Of speaking into their lives. Parents, your kids need direction. We li- Again, we live in a society that doesn't like authority at all. And so what has society done? They pulled the authority away from the parents and they said, let the kids determine who they are. But we just have to be people, uh, parents that will direct our kids, that will raise them up, that will speak into their lives. That's why they need to be here. Because what you do today shows them the priority of their life. So they need spiritual direction. They need spiritual authority. This is also includes pastors and, and, and spiritual fathers that we look up to. Do they agree with the dream that you have? The last question is, is it focused on other people? Is it focused on other people? Let's be honest. And those succeed. Some of them succeed. But the question is, does it line up with my relationship with God and what he has for me? And so that is just a bonus today. That's, that's sermon number one, right? Sermon number one, uh, how do you tell if the dream is, is a part of God's plan for your life? Sermon number two, we're going to talk about the process and not giving up in the process. How do you not give up on your dreams? How do you not give up on your dreams? Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Look at your second choice and say, you really don't need to quit. You really don't need to quit. I need some energy up in here today. You guys need to talk back to me some. Don't quit. There, I like it. I like it. The fact of the matter is, is dreams are conceived long before they are Let me say it again. Dreams are conceived long before they are achieved. And the space between it, the achievement, the, the concealed, the, the conceived, being conceived, the conception, thank you, the conception of the dream and the accomplishment of the dream, there is a space between the two. And the space between the two is known as the process, and it is a process that God makes us and gives us to do. There is a space between conception and accomplishment, and it's the process that God makes us who He wants us to be. 
so we can't give up in our training. The big idea number three is that trainings are complete long before they are achieved. I'm thankful for the Word of God. Are you thankful for the Word of God? Yeah, amen. I'm thankful that it is filled with dreamers and risk takers that didn't settle for their dreams to remain dreams. I'm thankful that from the very beginning of time, there were dreamers. And it can inspire us to dream the dreams of our life. There's a, there's a man by the name of Joseph. You can turn to your Bible to Genesis chapter 39. And you can just put your finger there because we're going to talk about the story. We're going to look at other verses. But, but I want you just to, to follow along with it. In Genesis chapter 39, there's a story about... This young man by the name of Joseph, and he has these brothers, and and he goes before his brothers. <laughs> I love it. Because he gets this dream that his brothers are going to bow down to him. And then he had the arrogance of going to his brothers and saying, hey fam, guess what? <laughs> You're going to bow down to me. And they, he was their little brother. So they're like, okay, little brother, whatever you say. And so we pick up reading in verse, I'm sorry, verse 37, chapter 37, Genesis chapter 37. You can read the entire story. I, I hope that this week, if you're looking for something to read in your Bibles, that you read Genesis 37 through 50, the whole, the whole story of Joseph. It is a picture of Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. The story of Joseph is a picture of Jesus. And you'll see some similarities along the way. But uh, this morning, but, but go and, and read it. It's a beautiful story. It's a hard story. It's a story of progress. Genesis 37 verse 5 says this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. <laughs> they hated him all the more. So what that means is before Joseph told him their dream, his dream, they hated him before that. And his dream only made him made them hate him more than that than they hated him before. So he goes on and it says, verse six, he said to them, Listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out of in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood stood uh, upright, and your sheep gathered around my and they bowed down to me. And so his brothers hear this story about them bowing to him, and we see that there's a process in chasing a dream. Ladies and gentlemen, Joseph was not ready for his dream to become fulfilled at that moment. He was immature. He's going, hey guys, guess what? Look at this dream. Some of you are going to be like, yeah, Pastor Adam, you really know all about that there's a process for a dream and at conception we're not ready for it to be a reality so we see a lot from Joseph's story he wasn't ready for this talk about immature hey guys look at this you're going to bow down to me 
verse 19, his brothers say, here comes that dreamer. <laughs> so his brothers just start, just start making fun of him. They're mocking him. Look at that dreamer. They, 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 they probably gave him the nickname dreamer. Like they just, they would, uh, they would start casting. He would have, his brothers would have been putting a well in him anyway because, you know, we know a thing or two about sarcasm. Here comes that dreamer. Verse 20, now, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see if he's going to come to us. We see that his brothers start mocking him. And what it teaches me is that along the way, I have to be careful who I tell my dreams to. Because if you're not careful, you'll tell your dreams to someone that mocks your dreams. And that throws throws cold water on your dreams. When we need people that are going to light it up and say, yes, go do it, go chase it. That's why we want it to be part of our culture at the Refuge Church. We want to be dreamers and risk takers and not settle for our dreams, to remain dreams. Because dreams are contagious. And when someone comes to you and tells you your dream, you better support them and not throw cold water on it. But if you're not careful and you tell your dreams to the wrong people, they will throw cold water on it. Here comes that dreamer. His brothers began mocking him, but thank goodness for some good, some people with some good sense. Reuben says, let's put him over there in that cistern. Judah says, you know what? You know what? At least we can get something out of this. Like, let's not kill him. Let's make some money off of it. Because let's, let's definitely get the slave trade. And so they sell Joseph to a man by the name of Potiphar for eight ounces of silver. I was curious. Eight ounces of silver, eight shekels of silver. Sorry, so eight ounces of silver. The Bible says 20 shekels of silver. And so um, I, so I looked it up, and that equates to eight ounces of silver. And so I was curious to see what um, what eight ounces of silver goes for. At the time of my study, it was seventeen dollars and eighty-four cents per ounce. Today, it would have been one hundred and forty-two dollars and seventy-three cents. They sold their brother for $142.72. Now, some of you would like to sell the guy sitting next to you for $142.72. But that's not a lot of money. But it was just enough to get rid of their headache. Their headache that was a dreamer. That, that, that they were mocking. We can learn a lot from the story of Joseph this morning, I want to give you just two quick things that we can learn from it. The first thing is this, write it down. Don't give up on your dreams, even if they don't start well. Don't give up on your dreams, even if they start, don't start well. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, as a fellow dreamer, I would like to say that most dreams don't start well. Most dreams don't start well. And, and so we learn from, from Joseph's story, it didn't start well. He was 
and sold into slavery for Christ Christ. The reason I believe that most story, most dreams don't start out well is because Satan knows if he can disqualify you from the beginning, if he can convince you that you are disqualified from the very beginning, then your dream will never develop into faith. Your dream will never develop into hope. Your dream will never develop into a reality. So he tries to disqualify you from the very beginning. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to hear me loud and clear that it doesn't matter what you've done in your past, that you are not disqualified in the name of Jesus. The book of Romans tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Not your past. When, when Satan brings up your past, you bring up excuses. Like he is defeated once and for all. You are not unqualified. In fact, I'm thankful that God has a very good track record of using people that are not qualified. A very good track record. There was this guy by the name of Paul. He later became known as the Apostle Paul. That started, that he, he was the world's greatest church planter. The Apostle Paul was the world's greatest church planter that goes on to write more than half of the, Old, the New Testament. The part about Jesus. He, he wrote most of the New Testament. But what Saul did before that was Saul killed that killed that, that killed Christians and, and you can read all about it in the Bible. God took this man by the name of Jonah that he had told to go to this place called Nineveh and to tell them about Jesus, to tell them about the coming of the, the coming Messiah, to tell them about God. And instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah goes the opposite direction. And in the, on the way, he gets swallowed up by this big fish. And he's down there for three days and three nights in the belly of a fish until the fish spits him back out. Did you know that Jesus used Jonah as a sign of his resurrection? In fact, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, show us a miracle, he said, I already showed you a miracle in a, in a man named Jonah. And he was a picture of my resurrection. King David stole a man's wife and killed it. And he's known as the greatest king in Israel's history. He was known after a man after God's own heart. Rahab was a prostitute. But she's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 that names people that we call the hall of faith because their faith was great. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 through 13, the apostle Paul, who was that guy that killed all those Christians, he was those, that, that I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. 
has considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I even though I used used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my inner insolence, I persecuted his people. But God has mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is saying that I was wicked and God counted me righteous. I said, he said I was wicked, but God counted me as righteous. I was faithless, but he gave, he made me faithful. He saw me as faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, your past doesn't define you. Number two, the second thing that we see from Joseph is don't give up on your dreams, even if the journey is filled with setbacks. Even if the journey is filled with surprises and setbacks. Last week, I, I talked, I, I gave a talk on, on um, setbacks God intends for setups a lot of times. When we think something is a setback, God intends it to be a setup, and He wants to use it for His glory. If I could tell you of all the setbacks that Tanya and I had in starting the Refuge Church, not not just us, like like the church planners that are starting today, the twenty of them, they have all been they have all had setbacks along the way. I promise you that because I've lived it. In starting a church with Ark, um, they give you these things called benchmarks. Benchmarks are things that you have to get done in order to, to start the church. And so um, two of the benchmarks that you have to do is, is you have to be the you have to have the ability to raise between thirty and fifty thousand dollars. And you have to um, you have to be able to gather thirty five people to be on your team. Those were two benchmarks that we had. Um, and thirty to fifty thousand dollars, every dollar that you would raise, Mark would, would then give you a match. So we, Tanya and I were able to raise $50,000, and then Art gave us $50,000 to, to match that. And we had a launch budget of $110,000, which we were um, extremely blessed with. One of the caveats for having that, um, that, that raising that money and then getting that, that money from Art is you also had to have a church that would sponsor that that would say i believe in you enough that we will sign we'll we'll be a co-signer for this loan this zero interest loan by the way it's very generous there's no interest on it but we we want you to have a church that says i believe in you enough to sign this letter that says we will pay back what you can't pay if we close your doors so if 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 the refuge church were to fail then we had to have a church to say We'll give Ark the $50,000 because Ark always wants to start churches. And if they give their money to, to a bunch of churches that don't give it back, then they stop starting churches. They don't want to do that. Well, I went to my pastor that I worked for at the time. I worked, I worked at, at a church in, in Illinois, and I, I went to him and I asked him to, to sign that paperwork. And he told me no. He just said, no. And, and it didn't matter what I, 
like I, I did all the statistics and I did all the metrics and I gave it to him and I said, just, just believe in us. And they said no. And I could have looked at it and said, well, I guess But God was able to provide another church to finance. And I'm happy to report that today we, we are in the process of paying that loan, that, that reinvestment back. And we're, o- we're only two and a half years old. We only owe $16,000 left. And, and we have enough money in the bank to care for that if we were to, if it, if it were to all blow up and go to kaput, we, were, we would be able to be completely in the clear because of what God is doing. Another thing that we had to do was we had to have 35 people on our launch team that would say, that would sign their name to it and say, we will be here on launch day and be a part. And some of you were a part of that. Um, most of that launch team no longer goes to church with us, but that's, that's normal. So um, we'll just get to that point. Um, trust me, it was normal. You don't want to dig too much on that one. So, so 35 people on our launch team we had to have. September 25th, 2016, we had 15 people on our launch day, on our launch team. And um, we were saying to ourselves, well, because ours would allow you to start with the team and it's not going to have a very, very big launch, but we have 15 employees. And so we said, well, we can, we can push to another date or we can, we can force this. And so we decided to look at a setback as a setup, and we pushed back to March 10th, 2017, and we were, at, we were able to get 50 people on our launch team and launch our church with 337 people on March 10th, 2017. Now there's not 337 people here today, but that's okay, because that's a part of the process. It's all a part of the process. Don't get hung up on the process because the process is making you, it is making us who God wants us to be. I get, and, I, and I start to get choked up because as God is still speaking this to me as I'm speaking it out to you. Part of the process. Joseph had some setbacks. I need to hurry. He was sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar. It was a setback. He was living in a place that was far away from his home. It was a setback. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife because she wanted to sleep with him, and he said no. So she was. He was accused of sexual misconduct thrown into prison. This is in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. He was asked to interpret a dream for these two men. One was a cupbearer, one was a baker, and he said to the cupbearer that once this dream comes true, make sure you remember me when you go to, to the king, when you go to Potiphar. 
And guess what the cupbearer did? He forgot. He forgot. And it cost Joseph another two years in prison. But guess what else happened to Joseph? He was able to interpret a dream. And because he was able to interpret a dream, he was able to rise to the second in command in Egypt. And he was in power when, when Egypt was found in, to be in famine. And he was able to lead Egypt through a, a time of famine. And guess what happened? His brothers had to come back and had to ask him for food. And when he, they asked him for food, he had, the, he had the opportunity to make them work for the rest of their lives to get the food that they were, that they were coming to get him. He had the opportunity to throw them in prison for selling him into slavery. He had the opportunity to, to make their lives miserable. So I want to give you three quick principles to live your life by that will help you succeed. Number one, recognize the value of the process. The value of the process. Stop praying that God will take it away and make it easy because he's bringing you closer to him. Why would he take away what is bringing you closer to him? It's making you more like him. It's a process. We're not perfect. There's a process. So value the process. The only way I'm able to value the process, ladies and gentlemen, is by personal time with Jesus. The only way. Because James chapter 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way I am able to see my trials as an opportunity for joy is because of my personal time with Jesus. When I stop seeing it as a storm and start seeing it as a lesson, I am able to find joy. When I am start seeing it as a test and not a trial, I am able to find joy. When I see the, the fact that it is doing something in me, it's making me stronger, it's making me better. It's getting me closer. Number two, refuse to allow offense to stop you. Refuse to allow offense to stop you. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful for the dreams you have. Dreams come with a prerequisite of tough skin. Because there will be people. That'll say, are you cool? Look at that dreamer. Look at that dreamer. You're going to have to learn to forgive people along the way. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And he didn't make them 
someone else back. Joseph could have paid him back. But he didn't. Because he knew it was a part of the process. And in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20, it says this. This is Joseph speaking. He says it to his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said, I wouldn't be able to stand in this position to save people's lives if you didn't do what you did to me. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be haters. But you have to forgive them before they do the hating. You have to make it up in your mind now that you've got to choose, choose forgiveness now before they come. And the only way that you can forgive them now is because God has already forgiven you. I know what my past looks like. Number three, the last one is remember that God is always with you. God is always with you. He was with Joseph in, in chapter 39, verse 20 through 21. It says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But Joseph was there in the prison. While Joseph was there in the prison, verse 21, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the warden. God is with you. It doesn't matter what you've done. In fact, the very last words that Jesus spoke on this earth, we call it the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says this. Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And he ends it by saying, And lo, I am with you always. I am with you till the end of the age. I am always with you. Jesus said, I am always with you. And right there. Maybe you're here this morning and think about your past and you say there's no way that God could be with me. Jesus said he is. There's no way that, that God would ever want me. Jesus says he does. Give me a favor, stand to your feet. Give your head bowed and your eyes closed. We're wrapping up this dreamer series. And so before you, and I thank you for the dreamers that are here. Lord, those that have seen their dreams accomplished and those that haven't yet, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus 
that you would continue to allow dreams to be accomplished. Lord, your, 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 your word tells us that in the last days you will pour out your spirit on people. Lord, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. God, that you would reveal dreams and visions and prophecies to people. Lord, that, that you want to see things accomplished for your kingdom. And God, I, I pray that you would do a mighty work in us. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't see how, because of your past, God could be with you. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The only way that he is able to be with you is because of Jesus. Because Jesus lived a perfect life. But God gave him to the world as a sacrifice for the wrong things that we do. And the only way that God is able to be with you right now is because Jesus died for your past. But I want you to know that he didn't just die for your past, he died for your present. And whatever you're doing right now that isn't right, that doesn't belong, that, that doesn't ag agree with God, I want you to know that he died for that too. And he died for the things in the future that we're going to do that don't live up to what he has for us. He died for our future as well, our past, our present, and our future. He is able to forgive it all. Because the Bible says we have to confess the name Jesus and receive him as our Savior. We have to believe that he died for us. We have to put our faith and our trust in him. And I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're going to do. He is with you. He loves you. And the, the shedding of the blood of Jesus is what makes it possible. If you're here this morning and you've never confessed the name Jesus, I want to just do me a favor. Just, just slip your hand up if that's something that you would like to do. Anybody? I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? your hand, I want you to invite you in a, in a prayer with me. Say, God, I come before you, and I believe Jesus died for me. I ask him to come into my life and to save me and to help me to live for you. Help me to do what's right. Help me to follow you. said that prayer, you can mark it on the back of the of the worship guide and just drop it in the black box so that we can uh, just send you a card to say thank you and we're caring for you and we want to give you everything that you need that you need to follow Jesus. Would you give God a mighty round of applause today? Come on. Is God good today? Come on. Is God good today? We're going to sing a song and then be dismissed.